What's up, everybody? Welcome into uh, yet another episode of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek, the world and Mars's two favorite youth pastors, uh, ready and back at it to talk about how not to be a youth pastor. Derek, how you doing? Better than you. Um, <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a response I have or I get from one of our congregate members who's awesome. Uh, shout out, our episodes are officially retirement age. Uh, this is episode really? 65, which yeah, means look at that. Uh, they will start collecting social security benefits. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that means for our episodes, but I'm excited. It's We're coming of age. 65 episodes. Does that mean we have to do shorter episodes because they have an earlier bedtime? No. Okay. I mean, I think our last episode was proof that anything yeah. is possible. That one was a long one. Um yeah, no, it's uh, it's a pleasure to do sixty five of these, and here's to sixty five more. I don't know. Uh, sure, <laughs> why not? Um, before we dive in, quick question because why not? There's always a quick question, right, Derek? Yeah. Um, quick question of the day: What is one part of your job that you could that you could delegate to others, but you have a hard time doing it? Because we're going to talk about delegating today. There's a few that come to my mind: um, preaching. Sermon preparation, leading a team, um, and cleaning. You could delegate <laughs> cleaning, but you have a hard time doing it? Uh, no, I, I I was trying to just come up with a bunch of uh, malarkey. Okay, <laughs> that's not, that's honestly the answer. So what is one part of your job that you could delegate to others but have a hard time doing? Um, honestly, I would say uh, communication with, you know, individual people is one of those things where uh, even a couple of weeks ago, somebody wanted to come and meet with me. And so um, I had to, there's another meeting at the same time that I had to be at. So um, I gave that to our wonderful youth pastor, Riley, who's been on this episode before. Um, and it was one of those things that <laughs> the person who got to talk with Riley really didn't want to talk to Riley. He wanted to talk to me. Um, but it was one of those things where like it worked, but it, it's one of those things that like, I, I love talking to people and there are scenarios in which my other staff can do that. Um, but it is hard to kind of give that up just because I do talk like, like talking to people. Yeah, that's fair. I think, uh, one of my bigger ones is, uh, like the setting up of our room for Wednesday nights. Um, and part of it is it, there's two reasons. Like, I go around our room and set the chairs up like, like they are square. Like I set them up to a T yep. and part of it is because I, I like creating that kind of environment. Like, Hey, everything is, is kind of in place. It's purposeful. Um, I also, I like, I use that setup time and like, I'll like have worship music on and I'll like pray for each chair mm -hmm. as I'm going around. So there's kind of that, you know, aspect of that. But then like, you know, setting up all the slides for the night and the lights and all those things. Um, I am so, I call it purposeful. Other people might call it OCD, OCD or, you know, some of those things. Um, but, uh, I, I think, you know, I like, I'm just like, I, I want things to be exactly where they need to be. Uh, because I, I want there to be a degree of excellence that we are striving for. Mm -hmm. I know that we will not always hit it, but I want to strive for it. 
Um, and so that's where, I don't know. That's, that's, that's kind of where I'm like, I, I definitely could have other people do that. I just yeah. have a hard time letting that go. Sure. Uh, slash finding somebody that wants to do it. So you're telling me if I were to like come into your youth ministry and just kind of nudge each line of chairs a little mm. off kilter, you yeah, that probably shank me. That'd drive me insane. Yeah. A little bit. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about delegating, uh, Derek and I were contemplating just like inviting Riley on for this podcast episode and then just like, Having here, <laughs> you talk for an hour and Derek and I leave. But, uh, unfortunately we yeah. did not. That was a real scheduling mistake on our side. Yeah. I think it also would contradict what you're about to say. Here that is a hundred percent true. Yes. Um, so what is delegating? Uh, delegating is if if we're going to really boil down this idea of delegating to a to a simple definition, I'd say it's equipping and empowering someone on your team to do something that you normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this this is a uh, a big one for me because I you know stepping into you know <laughs> I don't I it's waiting for your wife to give birth is funny because you don't like, we are recording this. Uh, she will almost certainly have given birth by the time this episode comes out. Yep. But, uh, it's, it's a funny place to be in because you want to prep for when you're going to be gone, but you don't know when you're going to be gone. Uh, and so there have been a few things that, you know, me being able to delegate some things, and empower some of my leaders to do allows for stuff to still happen, even if I'm not there. Yep. And so, uh, you know, looking back, uh, you know, from from a why standpoint of delegating, going back to Exodus chapter 18 is kind of like the the classic example uh, in in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, God calls Moses to lead the Israelites. You're going to lead this great nation, and Moses is overwhelmed. And he is trying to do it all and it's not working because everybody wants a piece of Moses and he just doesn't have enough to go around. And so uh, his father-in-law Jethro gives him kind of the advice of, Hey, here's what you need to do. Find really capable people around you, uh, teach them and then empower them to do handle some of the smaller things that you do. And that will free you up to, you know, to kind of do some of the bigger things. Uh, and, and that's, I don't know that, that I've always loved that image of, um, just that like intimate moment of like, Hey, I'm really struggling from Moses's standpoint. And Jethro's like, all right, let's work through this. I think when I look at that story, the thing that also sticks out to me is so many times when we look at delegating it's purely from a quantitative mindset. What I mean by that is, okay, I need to ha- I need to fit 60, 70 hours worth of work into a 40-hour work week. Therefore, I need to delegate things out. In a ministry context, when I look at Moses, it wasn't just that there was too many people and not enough time. It was he was bearing the emotional burdens and weight of the people that he was ministering to. So I think when it comes to delegating, you know, if you don't have the proper team in place, you're you're becoming, in essence, a dumping ground of people's problems. And if it's not if it's not handled and delegated out properly, you're left carrying 
all of the weight, you know? And so it's one of those things that it is a, a time thing, but it is an emotional thing. And, you know, the thing on the, on the time side of it, why delegating is helpful is because you can actually have more time to do the things that only you can do. You know, to your point about chairs, while I agree with the rationale there entirely, because I, I have done the same thing. I still do. I'm the one who sets our chairs on Sunday morning. So I'm not here to debunk that because I do the same thing. Now, here's what I have found is there have been other things that I do during my week now that Riley could do that other part of my staff could do that volunteers could do that I'm not doing. So that's taking things away from me that other people can't do. If I'm the primary speaker at our church and I'm doing so many other things and not sermon prepping. That's a problem. That's a problem, you know? And so there is that time piece of it too. And so uh, it is one of those things where you just got to create space for yourself and margin for yourself for work. But then also if you're so spent at work and you're going home and you're just absolutely done for your family suffers now on that side of things too. Right. And you know, like Derek said, I got, you know, 60, 70 hours of work that needs to be done. You know, either I'm working 60 or 70 hours, I'm delegating so that all the work gets done or not all the work is getting done. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I think that, uh, multi, you know, when you delegate effectively, you can multiply your effectiveness. I also think that, uh, from, especially from a ministry standpoint, but this is true in all businesses as well. Uh, proper delegation can build the effectiveness and the, it, it, it builds the capacity of your team. Uh, you know, when the people underneath you grow, you know, cause you're giving them greater responsibility and you're, you're teaching, taking the time to teach them and pour into them that is going to grow the overall capacity of themselves. And then therefore also, you know, the, the ministry or the organization that you are working with. And so that's where, you know, delegating when done properly, uh, can have a dual beneficial effect to it. Yeah. Cause if you flip that on its head and this is something that my lead pastor told me that really, really stuck with me is, it's it's not just that by you not delegating, you're not like helping yourself. You're also harming others. And what I mean by that is there might be people in your church, in your youth ministry, around you in a, in a business sense who want to grow, who want more responsibility, who want to better themselves. But if you rob any opportunity they have to do those things, you're harming them and yourself. You know, and so it is one of those things like you just got to be super careful about what you're doing and what you're not doing. Yeah. So true to the podcast and the title of the podcast. Yeah. You know, we, we, we would be doing a disservice in talking about how to delegate if we first did not talk about how not to delegate ministry. Well done. And so, uh, you know, the first, the first thing that uh, that you see sometimes in where delegating kind of goes south is if all delegating is, is you passing off the stuff that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, oh, we got this high school Bible study. Like we do our high school Bible study on Sunday nights. I love football. Football is on Sundays. And so, you know, if I'm just like, hey, I want somebody else, I'm, I'm going to call it delegating, but I'm going to 
have somebody else lead this Bible study so that I can sit at home and watch football. That's a problem. Yep. Um, you know, I think that giving people tasks without any training or education, uh, that's a problem, right? Cause you're just setting them up for failure. If, if I'm going to, uh, you know, to have one of my leaders step into a new role, but I'm not going to tell them at all how to do it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go well. Right. Uh, I think mismatching the work and their skills or their gifts is a big one. Uh, you know, if, if, if you are not administrative or, or if, uh, if the person you are delegating to is not administrative, you know, having them do administrative tasks is not going to be beneficial. Uh, and then the last one is like delegating tasks that have risk that they didn't sign up for. All right. So like if you, as a youth pastor, you're like, Hey, youth leader, can you meet with this parent and this student one-on-one and, and disciple them through this crisis that they're going through? Uh, unless you've got an absolute rock star of a leader, that's okay with that. Uh, you know, at the end of like, that's your job as a youth pastor. Right. Uh, there's going to be some things that you as the higher up in the organization or, or you as the youth pastor, uh, it's, it's on you right. to do that. And, and yep. you can't just delegate any task. You have to look at, okay, is this something that my volunteer is equipped for? Is right. this something they're ready for? And is this something that there's risk to that? is beyond what they signed up for. Correct. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things. If you do do that, they might say yes. And if it doesn't go well, then like not only are they not going to do that ever again, but you might, they might be a little gun shy whenever you ask them to do anything, because that is something that, that was overwhelming. If they're put into a situation that they're not ready for, they're not really equipped for in that sense. You, it's burning a bridge. You don't want to burn. You know, and so it is critical to just be aware of what you're asking. And, you know, if that is something where if you want to do something like that and you want to train somebody, bring them with you. Don't just throw them to the wolves. And I, 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 I've been a part of enough high school jobs where the training staff was subpar. And so they give you like half a day of training. And the next day, they're like, okay, here's to do your job. Well, you do terrible and you probably will end up quitting that job in the near future. This is very much the same. Yeah, I think that's you know true of any job. Like I, you know, I think I'll, this is this is one that, and this is not necessarily delegating, but uh, I would challenge most churches on this one. Uh, job descriptions uh, for your employees, because that initial training is probably being done by like a lead pastor or an executive pastor. Um, and if the pastor coming onto your staff does not have a clear grasp on what the expectation is of them, uh, because there is not a job description or it's a very uh, loose job description, that's going to create uh, mismatched expectations. It's going to lead to conversations where everybody's confused, or it's just going to lead to stuff not getting done. Because I didn't know that was my job uh, in order to do that. Or I didn't know you expected me to do that because there was no job description. And so whether it is a first-time employee or you're just, you know, building somebody up within your ministry to do something that they wouldn't normally do, 
uh, or they're stepping up for more responsibility, being very, and we're going to kind of get to this here, but being really clear about what that looks like is so important. Yeah. I have nothing more to say. I honestly, because here's what I would say um, before we go into how to delegate within ministry. I would openly say delegating is one of the things that I'm hesitant to say I struggle with because it's not that I devalue the importance of it. They're just, for me, it's one of those things with my personality, something I had to get over is feeling like by asking somebody to do something, I was burdening them. Like for so long in ministry, I was terrible at delegation because I felt like I was inconveniencing someone else by asking them to do something. You know, by challenging them, by empowering them to do something that I was doing, it made it feel like I was, like if I just said, hey, Kyle, can you go grab me a bottle of water? You know, like for you to get up and leave this place while you're doing me a favor and that feels good, I would feel, I would feel the weight of knowing the inconvenience, quote unquote, that I'm causing you. So I feel like as we go into how to delegate within ministry, it's having that proper perspective of understanding that like delegation is one of those things when you ask somebody to do that, it's not inherently something that's going to drain them. You know, by you asking them to take on a task or to do something is not, not just this weight around their neck now that they have, like it's odds are, it might be the very thing that they've been seeking God for. And they're really wanting to take that next step in ministry because they want more responsibility. So I, I, I just want to say that like if, if you are in a spot where delegation is necessary, but you struggle with it, like it is norm, normal, I guess I could say. Like it, it, it can be tough to work through that emotional dilemma. Yeah, for sure. All right. Enough about not, how not to delegate. Yeah. That's not what we're here for. How do we do this? How do we delegate? Uh, it starts a whole lot longer before than you think. Uh, you, you can't start to delegate when you have a task that needs to be delegated. Uh, step one to delegate, or step zero to delegating <laughs> is uh, you know investing in your leaders before you have to. Uh, yep. you know, helping your volunteers to grow, giving away responsibility. Uh, you, know, it, you, you have to invest in leaders before you need them because... Otherwise, they're not going to be there. They won't have grown to the point that they're ready when it actually matters. And they'll feel used for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll it'll just be like, oh, he or she, you know, my my youth pastor, they just need something warm body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Versus like, hey, I want to I want to see you grow and I I want to uh, I want to see you grow and and, closer to God in your capacity in this role you know, whatever it is. And so I think that that, that's really where a lot of this should start, uh, is, is regularly equipped. And we did an episode on adult volunteers within ministry, uh, you know, having regular, um, trainings with your adult volunteers and, uh, giving them resources. Hey, this would be a great book to read. Here's this great podcast to listen to all of this stuff. Uh, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, okay. So step zero is just always be investing in your leaders so that when the time comes, they're ready Yep, uh, and they have the capacity to do this. That's, that's the, uh, that's a little, it speaks a little bit to the equipping part of equipping and empowering. Um, so then I, I, this is not 
original to me, but we're going to, I'm just going to give the credit to God since I don't know who it came from. <laughs> um, step one, uh, I, I heard it once referred to as like, I do, you watch. Yep. Uh, where like, I, this is something that eventually I want to turn over to you. And so the first time, you know, you're just going to come and observe what I am doing. Yep. Uh, I, I go through the whole thing like I normally would, but maybe especially some of the behind the, behind the scenes stuff, I slow it down a little bit so that, uh, you can see a little bit of the behind the scenes. This is all that goes into it. I think about, uh, like we do a, uh, middle school kind of Sunday school class ish thing on Sunday mornings. Uh, Typically, what that looks like is, uh, you know, we'll check in with like, we always go around the room like, hey, what was the best part of your week? And just kind of check in with kids there. Uh, And then we have like a Bible lesson that we'll do and then we'll play a game. You know, real simple stuff. That's one of the things that one of my adult volunteers is going to take over for a a week or two, uh, you know, while I'm on paternity leave. And so, uh, talking with him and kind of, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to go through this whole process with him. Uh, but walking him through, this is kind of what it normally looks like and setting him up with some of the things it should start ideally with you just watch. I almost, when, when we talk about this step, I almost envision like this person following you with their hands in their pockets, you know, <laughs> or like their hands behind their back. Like, yeah, I'm going to do everything, you know, touchy, like don't, like don't like literally just watch yeah. how I do things. Be, just be to get seen, a, not yeah, heard. Exactly. So you're, you're basically just feeling out like what the person is doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. Like just gathering information and just truly observing everything and not actually doing a thing. And I think the most important part of this process are, you know, you, you kind of hit it there a little bit is the why behind, you know, on that person understanding why you do some of the things you do. And then also just like getting an overall feel, feel for the atmosphere. Yeah. Cause like if you, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use, um, you know, the lights in our youth room on Wednesday nights. Uh, they are not complicated. All right. We've got some, some wash lights pointed at the front of the stage. We've got some, some lights kind of coming from the back of the stage. That's it. We do not like move them around a bunch. We do not have fancy colors. Uh, and so if I were to, Ha, you know, delegate to somebody. We'll, we'll kind of use this example running through this whole you know section here. If yeah. I'm going to delegate to somebody, you know, setting up the lights for our youth service, you know, one of the things that I'd want them to kind of understand is the whys behind it. Like I, I don't want to have a whole bunch of flashy lights with a bunch of dancing colors and everything for two reasons. One, because I don't want to waste somebody's time setting that up. Yep. Uh, like spend that extra time in prayer, not, right. not worrying yep. about the lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, you know, some of like, here's why we do this transition. Here's why we have this lid over here, but not this lid over here. You know, some of those things, uh, you know, some of the whys behind it, I think are really important. Yeah. Cause they might forget how to do things, but when they know the why of why they're doing it, it kind of jogs. I feel like that memory, like if they just, yeah, if they're sitting there going, okay, at this point, this goes up and this point, this goes down and you don't know why you might, especially with lights. Cause it's like, Oh, did he want lights up here? I can't remember. Whereas if he knows I have the lights down here so that kids can be introspective, 
you know, all of a sudden you can make that connection. You remember things better. So yep. yeah. Yeah. All right. Step one, I do, you watch. Step two is I do, you help. All right. And so this one, you know, like we're going to run through it together, but, and, and I'm still going to do it, but I'm going to have you do some of it. Like maybe like 30%, you know, would be a good benchmark to shoot for. Uh, and, and I think that one of the most important things in, in this step and moving forward is, you know, okay, I'm going to do it. You're going to kind of help. And then let's debrief afterwards and talk it through. All right. What went well? What didn't go well? Well, you know, you were preaching and all of a sudden all the lights went out. Okay. That didn't go well. Right. right. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, how can we learn for next time? Uh, oh yeah. Well, I was distracted and I accidentally hit a button, so I need to focus better. Or, uh, you know, I, you know, didn't, I, I programmed it right, but then I didn't go back and run through the whole, the lights for the whole service to make sure everything flowed together and I missed something. All right. Now we know that that step is important. Uh, and, and I think that a, an important part here is having clear measures for success or failure so that that person understands okay, here's the end game, right? They, they've seen the why behind some of the processes. They've seen, okay, here's the overall feel of, of the event or of the task or whatever that we're going for. And they got to make sure that they know what's the, what's the win. What, a win for a tech booth, any tech booth, it's the exact same as being a referee for a sport. You win when nobody notices that you're there. Uh-huh. Uh, and so for this light person that I'm teaching, uh, you win when everything goes smoothly. You lose when you know, something happens that was under your control that takes somebody out of the presence of God. One question that I do not see written on here that I love to ask at this time of the process is, what are you still unsure about? You Ooh, know, that's good. Because that's one of those things where, especially when it comes to light or sound or things with a bunch of buttons, you might only be using these three sliders <laughs> and you're going, yeah. what do these do? There's a whole <laughs> world of uh-huh. buttons on this soundboard. Right. Yeah. So this is one of those things where, because it's one of those things like when you, in step one, because you're intaking so much information, you're not really gathering all of it. If you know what I mean? So yep. like everything kind of makes sense. But when you're actually the one pushing buttons and doing things, all of a sudden you realize I don't, get why we do this i don't get you know and so this is one of those especially as we go into the next step which we'll get to in mere seconds this is a great spot for them to express where they're lost where they're confused what they're just a little unsure about and then you can kind of jump in from there and educate them yeah and this step steps two and three here uh and even step one these are steps that you can do multiple times. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like, oh, this is like a four step thing. And then either you're good to go after those four steps or you're fired. Uh, you know, you, you want to go at the pace of the person that you're helping out within reason. Uh, you know, if their pace is, hey, I need to do each step 12 times, we've got a problem. Uh, and I've met people like that, and I chose to delegate to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so, or I didn't delegate at all. 
But uh, that I think that just having the the freedom to like, hey, next week let's have you know we'll do I do and you help again. We'll do that second step again so that you can you know kind of learn again and maybe this time around you know it's it's a different thirty to forty you know thirty percent that they do themselves or or something like that. Um, okay, step three uh, turns it around a little bit where it's you do and I help. And so they're, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, okay, they are, you know, maybe they're doing 80% now mm-hmm. or, or 70% instead of the 30%. And you can still have that same debrief afterwards where, okay, like you had a little bit more say, uh, you, you were the one that, that really set things up. Uh, how did that go? Again, you know, was, is there something you're still unclear on? What went well? What didn't go well? The lights didn't go out during the sermon this time. So that's a win, right? Uh, you know, things ran really smoothly back here. Nobody really noticed you. That's a win. Yep. Uh, it's a, and I, I think that this is where you start to uh, really see them start to take some freedom and some ownership, ideally. This is where I think up till this point, I feel like to some degree, the delegatee, the person who's learning has kind of been in the driver's seat where, where they go is kind of up to them. Um, this is where I think this flips because in this step you do, I watch you as the leader. The reality is you're responsible for the outcome regardless of who's pushing the buttons. For example, let's take this corporate if the C, if the company is going downhill at the fault of lower management and the workers, they're not the ones who come under scrutiny. They go after the CEO. If Amazon started dropping orders and 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 not fulfilling stuff and the, the trucks were breaking down, people aren't going after their local Amazon distiller or distribution center. They're going after Jeff Bezos, right? And so where I'm going with all of this is they might feel like they're, they got a good handle on this. Let's go to the lights for a second. They feel like, yeah, I know this light goes up. I know this light goes down. And if you ask them how things are going, good. I'm doing a really good job. I feel like I got a handle on this. But you as a youth pastor are going, hmm. Oh, the lights are all over the place. I, I, I didn't see it that way. This light was strobing. This light was, was, was on. <laughs> like you're going... Little Timmy had an epileptic seizure in the middle of our youth service. And while leaders rushed to get there, you killed the lights. <laughs> so, you know, paramedics didn't know where to go. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, it, this is obviously a, a dramatic situation, but you will have people who are, I, f- I feel like it's one of two things. You have people who are doing a really good job, but feel like they're failing, or you have people who feel like they're doing a fantastic job. And maybe have some room for improvement. You yeah. know, I feel like it is one of those two. So this is the step where I kind of feel like you as the youth pastor, you as the leader, as they do and you watch a few things. One, keep your hands off. Okay. Like this is for the for the people like yours truly who like things done right. When the lights are down and they're supposed to be up, it's very tempting for you just to go and move it yourself. Yeah, but this is where you need to go. Hey, just remember, like the lights got to go up, and so let them push the lights up. Yeah, the audible work mm-hmm. is is what is key here. I I love that you said that. Be like, I'm going to tell you reminders if I need to, but I'm not going to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of where we. This step is where we finalize 
like the for lack of a better way to put it, the muscle memory uh-huh. for for the person that you, is is learning this. Uh, I'm I'm teaching you, and and you're going to do every single piece of it this time. I I can still coach you. I'll still be right here, but I'm gonna have you do it, and you can still, uh, you know, depending on what the mistake is, like you could still, you know, vocally cut in and catch a mistake before it happens, but. I think there's, you know, some power in letting them make a mistake or two as well. The word picture that kind of comes to my brain when we're, this is like the driving instructor sitting in the passenger seat of a behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. They don't have a steering wheel. They're telling the student driver if there are corrections that need to be made, but they're also just sitting there, but they also have a a brake brake pedal, pedal, you know, (laughs) to where like if things are going like, so if you are about to unplug the computer because you think it's something else, I am going to cut in and tell you, hey, don't do that. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like this kind of goes back to reverse. Like your hands need to be in your pockets metaphorically yeah. for the most yeah. part. Um, but at the same time, understanding that if if <laughs> if there's a point of no return that we're about to enter in, you have full reign to step in and stop things before they get too wonky. Well, and I think that, you know, we talked about like you mentioned, like this would be the time where the person, like like you as the youth pastor, like put your hands in your pockets and you don't actually touch anything. But the audible, you know, the, the vocal part of it is really big for the youth pastor in that stage. Right. Oh yeah. I would say that the flip is true going back to steps one and two, where, you know, step one, the person learning has their hands in their pockets, ask questions. Oh yeah, you know, for in, sure. Highly encourage them in throughout steps one and two, especially to ask questions. Now, how do I do this again? Uh, when I'm coaching football, I love the, there are very few questions that are actually like, you know, it's always like, Oh, no question is a stupid question. There are stupid questions, <laughs> but very few of them are stupid questions especially during practice. Right. Because that's what practice is for. Ask me the question that you, because if you don't ask me and then you make the mistake in the game, now we have a bigger problem versus if you had asked me the question when it was appropriate. And so I, I think that that's a, a cool like kind of switch is, you know, the student starts asking the questions. Then later on, it's the teacher that is hands off, uh, but but they're throwing in some thoughts or, or warnings or whatever. All right. Step one, I do, you watch. Step two, I do, you help. Step three, you do, I watch. Step four, you do, I'm somewhere else. All right? <laughs> and so this is, this is the point where, where as, the, uh, as the teacher, as the youth pastor, you know, helping this person learn how to do the lights, you know, you can, we, we can still do like a debrief afterwards the first couple times. Cause this might be like, oh man, they are uh, like, they did it a hundred percent on their own. And this time I was not there over their shoulder yep. to help them out. Let's still debrief and see how things went. Um, but this is, this is where you start to really be able to multiply your time because as a youth pastor, I had to spend, you know, a half hour setting this up. All right. Now I don't have to do that. Not only is it still getting done, but now I can take that half hour and put it into something else. And I think that, uh, again, I don't know where this came from, so we'll just give God credit. Uh, I believe somebody said once that if you can have somebody else do it 80% as well as you, then hand it over to them to do. Because 
first of all, that frees up you to do something else, but then also they're probably going to grow. And if you are matching, like if you have a student in your youth ministry that is super interested in light lighting and passionate about it, they might get to the point where they can do it 120% as well as you. And so, and so now, right. It's, it's not just, I'm giving up this task and it's a net equal and I can just take that same amount of time and put it somewhere else. Now you're giving up that task to do something else. And that task is being done better Correct. than what it first was, you know, just under your care because you were the one that is around to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think there's even another, there's another <laughs> layer to that. I think something, cause with that metric, you could say, well, they're a great preacher. Maybe they should preach for me. Well, not exactly. You're still the pastor, right? Uh, they yeah, can still speak. Maybe every once in a while. Right, exactly. So I, I think, because I, I, you're spot on, I love that that percentage and, and that, that rationale, but it is one of those things where I think that it's so valuable to sit down and go, what are the things that only I can do? And I don't mean like physically capable, what I mean like, let's take my context. If I'm the lead pastor of the church, there are other people that can speak for me, but if I'm the lead pastor of the church, I should be speaking most of the time. Like that I am the pastor here. And so when it comes to things that only I can do, preaching on Sunday mornings is there. The next thing is developing our staff. Uh, as the lead pastor, there's really no one else to do that. You know, you could you could make the case that the executive pastor develops the the youth and kids team or whatever. But as a general rule of thumb, the lead pastor is is developing the staff in general. So like start at the top with what are the things that only I can do? And then go, okay, what are the things that I'm currently doing that maybe I don't want to give up, but I could. You know, these are the things that we talked about. Maybe it is setting up the room. You know, and so when you have those things on a hierarchy or in a pyramid, if you will, of things that you can do, because the, the other thing that we haven't really mentioned in this part is very rarely will you have people who come to you and say, I want to help. You mm-hmm. get that. But there are a lot of times where you're sitting there going, I need more time. Like I need, I need to have more time to develop, you know, this team or to preach. So, yeah. And just... For the youth pastor that I know no youth pastor is thinking this, I hope, but when when the thought is, oh, I need more time, the first answer is not, okay, I need to just divorce my wife and leave my family <laughs> and I need to give up everything that I love in my life, all my hobbies out the window uh, so that I can spend 80 to 100 hours a week at this job. Right. Yeah. Not the answer. No, it's not. And and, that, and that's where you can get into trouble because rather than when you are, when you get into Moses' situation where the work exceeds your capabilities, mm-hmm. the first knee jerk reaction is to take out all personal matters of your life. Like, okay, obviously you're not leaving your wife or leaving your kids, but you might stop like playing video games. You might stop doing or, or <laughs> that might be for, a good thing. Yes. But like you get my point. Like yes. you might stop doing all things outside of, but that's also where if, if you, it, it's like the, uh, the analogy of the frog in boiling water. If you boil a pot of water and then put a frog into it, it will jump out. If you put a frog in normal water 
and then boil the water, the frog will stay in there until it dies. Mm-hmm. If, if you, like, if I say like, oh, the solution to this problem is, you know, leave your family and get rid of all fun things in your life and just spend all your time working. But yet, especially in the secular world, that ends up being oh, like, yeah. if I just say it off the, off the top, you're like, oh no, I don't want to do that. But you make one decision after another decision that slowly leads to that. Correct. And then you're in the exact same spot that you said, oh, that's absurd. I would never want to do that. Right. And that's where I think you just need to understand that if you're not doing things that are beyond you, I would dare say you're not, you're not dreaming big enough. You know what I'm saying? Like if we're truly going to go after all that God wants, we need people. We, we just honestly do. And so, like that, that kind of goes back to my original point is you might have people who say, hey, Kyle, I want to learn how to do lights. That's great. That's awesome. Get them involved as soon as you can. But you might be sitting here going, I'm drowning. Like I need, I need to hand this off. I need to do this. And you might need to go and find somebody who is willing to do this. And this now goes to where you go to step zero, you said, where it's like, hey, I know I've only known you for a little bit, but I've known like dude, you have a super successful YouTube channel and I've seen it and you do really good work. Is there any chance you'd want to learn how to work with OBS and streaming stuff on our computer? Oh, I've never done it. Well, you'd be good at it because your YouTube channel is awesome. Like, let me show you how this works. And like finding, finding, and this kind of goes back to your step zero too. Like so many times I think we look at people's external lives and assume like we should get them involved in a certain area. So for example, if you have a person in your church who's got two small kids and they're not involved somewhere, Where's the first person we think to plug them into? <laughs> oh, kids you, ministry. Yeah, you right? have kids. You have kids small ministry. kids. Like you, you're, you're good at this. Odds are, there's, a, and I've known this to be true. Because you have small kids. Because I have small kids, and and in leading a church. Yeah. Like, like I talked to these people about this early on. They're like, well, frankly, I'm not interested because church is my one time of the whole week. I don't have to be mom or yeah. dad. Yeah. And so I love to count. I would love to greet. I would love to run lights, but. I don't want to be back in the kid's wing. Great. You know, like find what people are passionate about and delegate from there, not just what you see externally. Yeah, that's a good, you know what? That's that's really, really good. Thanks. Listen, listeners of the podcast, I this is you're catching me in a rare, rare form right now. Um, and it, I it makes me want to like take a shower because it just feels so unnatural. But Derek has really good things to say on the podcast. <laughs> and I, <laughs> we're 65 episodes. We're, we're going to acknowledge for the first time in 65 episodes that Derek is really good at what he does. And he, he's got some good wisdom and stuff to say. Can I be honest with you? I was waiting for you to be like, you're catching me at a weird time. My wife just texted me. She's no, in labor. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> she did text me, but she had a uh, like a personal development meeting at her job. Are, are you on like pins and needles? Like like whenever your phone vibrates, you're like... Honestly, no. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I do have a great fear that... It, so if you know my wife... She is, uh, and uh, Derek and I were just talking about this off air. Uh, she has been described by a lot of people recently as being a constant. Uh, you know, she was like, she is herself. No matter what circumstance she's in, she's mm-hmm. not like different around various groups of people. 
Uh, the only people that she's ever different around is like, she's an introvert. So like, if she doesn't know you very well, she's probably not going to be super talkative, but she's like that with everybody she doesn't know. So that even that is a constant. Yep. Um, but she is like the chillest pregnant person ever. (laughs) I see where this is going. I am terrified of like her texting me or telling me like, Hey, I think my contractions are like, you know, five to seven, five to seven minutes apart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Like that was really fast. And she'll be like, well, no, I've been having contractions for a while. Like I just didn't say anything because I didn't know if they were contractions or not. Or like, I didn't want to be an inconvenience or whatever. And I'm like, tell me. I can, I can That's tot- what I'm afraid of. I can totally see her saying, her calling you and saying, hey, setting you know, I'm on the way to the hospital driving myself there. <laughs> like I'm in labor. She better can you, not. Can you meet me there? She- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm at the hospital. I'm 10 centimeters dilated. Can you right. get here when you can? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know you're busy, but yeah, uh, there's one foot out. Uh, can you get to the hospital? Uh, before <laughs> it's like, gosh, darn it. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's, that, that's a little bit what I'm afraid of. Uh, but uh, no, I have that's not, uh, I have not. So yeah, at the time of this recording, we are, five days, uh, away from the, uh, from the due date here. And so obviously, uh, I think the statistic I saw was that 70, roughly 70 to 80% of children are born within seven days, either way of their due date. I could see that. Uh, which, which seems about right. Only 4.4% are born on the due date itself. That's kind of crazy actually. Yeah. Which I feel like honestly is is a perfect moment to again reiterate the fact that if you're listening to this, you know, since its creation, we've been very consistent about every Thursday our, our episodes yeah. come out, with the exception of we did take a break in the summer for a lot of reasons we just we disclosed at this I, point. I already. do think that there was like one random week that it didn't come out till Friday because we had a technical error. Yes, but other than that, we have been remarkably consistent. Right, and uh, this is one of those again circumstantial things where if we're a few weeks behind, uh, it's because Kyle's being a dad. I mean, and it's this whole fatherhood thing. Yeah, but. and uh, let's give credit to your wife. She gave birth, and so you're probably taking care of her, or she's taking. That's the care plan. Of, she's taking care of you because she's awesome that way. <laughs> Um, you know, but it is one of those things where the episodes might be a little off kilter. Um, but yeah, I don't want to, you know, like we're recording this on a Thursday and like, if she goes into labor and the baby's born like tomorrow, then, you know, there's, there'd be an outside shot that, that we actually wouldn't really miss a week, but I'm also not going to, I mean, even if that were to happen, there still might be a week or two that, that we just kind of let it breathe a little bit. You guys get um, birth on Tuesday, get home Wednesday on Thursday, come to your house and record an episode. Oh, I'll house. be at youth that Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking not? about. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, that's, but that's like kind of where this episode was, uh, pun intended birthed out of is that well I, done. thank you. Uh, you know, like I have, uh, you know, we'll just kind of wrap up the episode by like, I'll kind of share kind of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just, you know, give everybody context. Uh, I, so I have a week that I'm given of like actual paternity leave, uh, by our church. Um, and so the first week, like, I'm I'm out, I'm out. Um, it's January. And so like I have all my PTO, mm-hmm. 
And so I like, you know, to some extent I could be like, yeah, I will take like, just take the next three, three weeks, weeks. <laughs> especially because like, I'm gonna have a newborn. Where uh-huh. am I going to go on vacation? Right. But, um, I, I do think that, uh, you know, I will, uh, I, I don't know exactly what it'll look like. Like I've kind of told people, you know, I'll take that first seven days for sure. Like no matter what. And then after that, we're kind of going to play it by ear because, I also, you know, Pastor Rick here at our church, like I really appreciate, uh, you know, the the freedom that he gives us uh, to do our jobs. He's not somebody who's an inc- like a super micromanager, mm-hmm. uh, and and he we've got some freedom where you know he he's kind of his management style would be described as is the job getting done? Yes. Cool. Sounds good. You know, like if it's meeting the level of expectation, then there's we don't have a freedom problem. underneath that. Mm-hmm. If it's not meeting the level of expectation, then maybe we need to go in and set, uh, you know, some more guardrails. Uh, and so, you know, for for me, that first week I'll be out. After that, you know, there might be a week or two where there probably will be a week or two where like I'm I'm doing a lot of working from home and then I can pop in for staff meeting or I can pop in for Sunday morning or Wednesday night and then go back home. Yep. Uh you know where where I have that flexibility to you know to kind of be around more and have different working hours than I normally would stuff like that. Um but I have the plan right now is that there will be 3 Wednesday nights that I'm not preaching. And so I have communicated with three of my youth leaders. They're going to preach, you know, one, like the first, second and third week that I'm gone, whenever that happens to be, uh, they've known this for a while. And so like sermons are already being written, even though they don't know exactly when they're going to preach, they know it's coming up. And so they can, you know, kind of be in communication and, and whatnot so that they are prepared. Uh, typically I drum, on the youth worship team. And so so amazing. Dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll be honest. (laughs) I, I picked up drumming because we didn't have any other drummers, which is hilarious. I, I like to describe my drumming as, uh, shoot. Now I'm blanking on the phrase I usually use. Uh, it's like consistent and unremarkable is basically my drumming. Like I can hold a beat, but I am not going to do the world's greatest drum fills because I don't know how. Uh, And so I usually do that. So there's a guy in our church, actually one of the pastors here on staff that drums sometimes on Sunday mornings. Uh, He is like kind of on retainer. And so, you know, he's going to step in and drum, uh, you know, the weeks that I'm gone Uh, for our middle school class I mentioned. I've got a leader that I've kind of talked with and prepared. And so he's going to do that. We have a high school Bible study that we do. Uh, that one I'm excited about because our students, our high school students are actually going to pick up the mantle for a week or two and, uh, kind of champion that. Uh, and, and so they, like, I'm going to, I've got some resources that I'm going to give them and, and they're going to like kind of come prepared, read, and then, you know, talk through some questions and just like, Hey, what did you think of this? What stuck out to you kind of thing? And so I'm, and, and that, all of that to say, you know, I have zero fear about, you know, stepping out for, for a week or two or three, whatever it ends up being. I don't have any fear about it because I love the team that I have and getting to, um, getting to do ministry alongside them is super fun. Getting to watch them do ministry is going to be fun as well. Right. And so I'm, I, I have, 
I, I love being in a position where I can have complete faith to step away for a little bit and, uh, and know that the people that I'm leaving everything in the hands of are more than capable to do the job. It's fulfilling and it's necessary. Yeah. Like Moses is a perfect example. If you are just in everything, you're going to burn out and you're going to just be miserable. So what I love about the whole thing, we could wrap up with this, like what you just described takes time and preparation, you know? So like what I love about this process is if it's done right, it just takes, it takes time and it takes, it takes, it's a process. And so don't, don't rush it along. You know, if you're looking for someone to fill your lights team, don't, don't think if you find them on Monday, they're ready to go by Sunday. Like it's just, it's yeah. probably not going to happen, uh, depending on the task and so on and so forth. But uh, I would just caution, I guess, caution people with this is take the time on the forefront because if you, if you rush the process and prematurely develop a leader, it's going to cause you more time and more problems down the road. <laughs> I'm laughing because you mentioned like, you know, most of the time, like, you know, if you start the process Monday, they're not going to be ready by Sunday. So my first thought was like, oh, is there like a, a position within the church that like you could have them up and running as a volunteer immediately? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I don't know why, but the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, like the worship team needs somebody to print off and make copies of the sheet music. every <laughs> And like, what is this, 1995? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Is our phone a thing anymore? IPads? I don't. Yeah, like you got the iPads with it right on it. So I don't know why that was. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my head. Especially but. when you have an office secretary here at your building. Like I feel like there's or yeah. iPads. Yeah, like I mean, that's also they accurate. Technology is great. You can link up all the iPads of your worship team, and when one person scrolls, they all scroll. So you're all looking at the same thing. It's great. Oh, that would be, I, that would be a mess for me. I feel like, but. That's why I'm not. But you want to be able to look at your own. Look well, at my it, own. I feel like it yeah. would be a mess for you, not because it would mess you up, but because you don't play any instruments. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want, that's the part that yeah. would mess up. I am not musical. That's okay. All. That's why you married your wife because she's the musical one. It's one of many reasons. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. We got to get out of here before this goes Derails. off the rails even more. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us uh, on uh, potentially the last episode before a little hiatus of the podcast here, but we will be back. We promise uh, because we love uh, getting to do this and, uh, and we love our listeners. They're awesome and we appreciate them. So on behalf of Derek, I'm going to do something rare. I'm going to go take Take Derek's advice, and I'm going to go pull a list of all of our kids' ministry parents and pick the best ones to ask to be youth leaders. Goodbye. Goodbye.